This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Good morning on this Thursday, February 9th. You're listening to WNBF. A blighted vacant parcel in the heart of downtown Binghamton could soon be brought back to life if a former mayor's plans become reality. A restaurant featuring a beer garden is planned for the site at 138-140 Washington Street. The spot has been empty for decades after a New Year's Eve fire tore through the popular Royal Lounge and a neighboring adult bookstore. No one was hurt in the blaze that erupted on December 31, 1999. Former Mayor Richard David is proposing opening a new business in what would be a prefabricated two-story structure with about 2,000 square feet of space. He has advised city officials he wants to start construction as quickly as possible. David acquired the Washington Street site for $50,000 in July 2009, a few years before he took office as mayor. David was joined by Christopher Kazmersik and Michaela Fargnoli Tuesday at meetings of the Commission on Architecture and Urban Design and the City Planning Commission. Kazmersik and Fargnoli are expected to oversee day-to-day operations of the business. David said our timeline is pretty aggressive. He indicated he hoped the site work could begin within four to six weeks. He said the target date for opening is June. The former mayor said the business would be a open year-round operation, but he's looking forward to taking advantage of the warmer weather for outdoor seating. The first legal cannabis dispensary in the southern tier has no remaining obstacles to opening its doors in downtown Binghamton, New York this week. In a press release on Wednesday, City of Binghamton Mayor Jared Cram announced that what will be the first legal cannabis dispensary in New York outside of New York City has received local approval and can open downtown this week. The dispensary, operated by the owner of On Point Cannabis, Damian Cornwell, will be located at 75 Court Street, right in the heart of downtown Binghamton. In the press release, Cornwell stated with his local approval, Just Breathe is set to make history right here in Binghamton as the first licensed cannabis dispensary in all of upstate New York. We're excited for what this means for the community, downtown Binghamton's continued revitalization, and our local economy. Thanks to the New York State Office of Cannabis Management and the City of Binghamton for proactively laying the framework for this moment. A planning commission meeting was held in the Binghamton City Council Chambers, where the dispensary received its final approval to open. Mayor Cram stated Binghamton is leading the way on the illegal cannabis industry in New York State. By proactively updating local zoning laws and working with our New York State partners, the city has positioned itself to capitalize on the opportunity to attract good careers and new community investments while growing the industry in a responsible manner that benefits all residents. This new business is an exciting next step. In order to pave the way for opening the first cannabis dispensary in upstate New York, Binghamton began updating its zoning laws nearly a year ago to plan for future cannabis businesses. Workers are busy putting tons of steel in place for the $132 million addition to Wilson Medical Center in Johnson City. A 340-foot-tall crane is being used to lift the massive beams to assemble what will become a six-story clinical tower on the north side of the hospital. On Wednesday morning, several beams were hoisted simultaneously to the top of the rising structure. The giant crane is expected to remain at the construction site for another three months. The 183,000-square-foot addition will include a new emergency department and trauma center. There also will be 120 new private rooms, a recovery room, and a rooftop helipad. Sidewalks on the northeast end of Harrison Street and the northwest end of Baldwin Street near the construction site are closed. Pedestrians should use sidewalks on the opposite side of the street. State regulators approved the expansion project three years ago. A United Health Services spokesperson said a new two-bed trauma room opened on December 15th. A fully functional post-acute care unit is scheduled to become operational this Saturday. The new clinical tower is expected to be occupied by June 2024. 
Donald Trump's former lawyer, Michael Cohen, met yet again Wednesday with New York City prosecutors who have spent years examining the former president's financial dealings. Cohen stopped briefly to talk with reporters as he entered the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. He said it was the 15th time he had met with prosecutors. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg recently convened a new grand jury to hear evidence related to payments Cohen helped arrange in 2016 to two women who claimed to have had sexual encounters with Trump. Trump has said he did nothing wrong and that the investigation is politically motivated. The officer who pulled Tyree Nichols from his car before police fatally beat him never explained why he was being stopped, newly released documents show. Emerging reports from Memphis residents suggest that was commonplace. The Tennessee Peace Officers Standards and Training Commission released documents Tuesday blasting the conduct of Demetrius Haley and four other officers as blatantly unprofessional. They include revelations that Haley took photographs of Nichols as he lay propped against a police car. Haley then sent the photos to other officers and a female acquaintance. The Memphis Police Department wrote in requesting that the five officers be stripped of the ability to work as police. With an eye toward the 2024 campaign, President Joe Biden is venturing to Florida. It's a state defined by its growing retiree population and status as the unofficial headquarters of the modern-day Republican Party. The president sees a chance to use Social Security and Medicare to drive a wedge between GOP lawmakers and their base of old voters who rely on these government programs for income and health insurance. Biden is trying to lay the groundwork for an expected re-election campaign announcement this spring. Leading Republican lawmakers insist that spending cuts to Social Security and Medicare are off the table, but enough prominent Republicans have broached the subject that Biden sees a political opportunity. And an owl who escaped from the Central Park Zoo after someone damaged his cage has become New York City's latest avian celebrity. The owl has been attracting gawkers as he surveys the park from one tall tree or another, but he has been stoking fears that he can't hunt and will starve. Zoo officials say the Eurasian eagle owl named Falco escaped on February 2nd. Since then, he has been spotted at various locations in the southeast section of the park. Zoo officials said last week that they were seeking to recapture Falco, but they have not issued any updates on their efforts since then. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, rain or freezing rain likely before 9 a.m., then rain. A high near 46 degrees and 80% chance of rain. Tonight, chance of showers between 8 p.m. and 3 a.m. Mostly cloudy with a low near 41 degrees. Wind gusts as high as 28 miles per hour, a 40% chance of rain. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a high near 42. Tomorrow night, cloudy, a low near 25. Saturday, partly sunny with a high near 34. Saturday night, partly cloudy, a low near 24. And Sunday, mostly sunny with a high near 44. Sunday night, partly cloudy, a low near 26 degrees. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first, News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. Joseph, Ice Radio, WNBF, as you slip slide away, try not to get yourself very seriously injured on this Thursday. If you've fallen only once, consider yourself lucky. If you have fallen two or three times, well, it's probably going to be about average today. Not really sure why this happens, but I suppose... Dave Nicosia will tell us when he joins us next hour. He's from the National Weather Service, so he has the weather answer, thankfully. 
if you're driving, walking, biking, skateboarding, hopping, skipping, jumping, or crawling, use caution. As they say. As they say during conditions such as these. Use caution. Caution is advised. If you have to go to a hospital emergency department today, I would recommend putting that off probably for a day or two because they're going to be dealing with a lot of fall calls, lots of injuries, people broken ankles, twisted ankles, knees, backs, head injuries, neck injuries, as they say, ice There is a special weather statement. Light freezing rain. Temperatures are still at or below freezing, typically in the upper 20s to low 30s across the region. Light freezing rain now. This has caused slick spots. Don't kid yourself. The roads may look fine. The sidewalks may look fine when, in fact, they're not fine. So, don't slip. Right now it's 31 in downtown Binghamton. And at least we warned you. Hopefully that'll keep you safe. Try not to fall when you call. 607-772-1290. WNBF, good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? My first name is John, and I'm calling from Stoned City, USA. You know... When I started here at the station, it was owned by Stoner Broadcasting. And now I think I think we were just a few decades ahead of our time. Oh, it's going to do so much good. You don't understand. See, uh, the Urban League, it, this is going to do great things for Binghamton. You know, this is going to, you know, uh, really inspire the community. Who are they trying to kid? <laughs> Did you see that statement the manifesto put out from the fourth floor? Honestly, honestly, do they have drug testing at City Hall? Well, I mean, come on, man. I mean, it's one thing to acknowledge what happened. I mean, after uh, Governor Cuomo changed his position, remember at one point, I believe Andrew Cuomo's position on legalized weed was something along the lines, well, A, it's not good for you, and B, it could be sort of a gateway drug, and C, who needs it? It's sort of and then he changed his mind because i guess somebody said but wait we could make billions of dollars to spend in new york well, state and then let me yeah continue i'm going to find the manifesto from city hall because there there are certain things where it really really cries out for a direct quote so continue what's your observation as we well, as we pre- prepare for wacky friday wacky weed friday wwf uh, dope is dope. Vice is vice. Uh, you know, in heaven there are no bar owners. Uh, the, uh, the this thing is, I mean, Cram is, uh, you know, he's a, a sappy, uh, spoiled child. And he thinks that automatically anything that his generation embraces is the right way to go. He has no experience doing anything. The city is going to be ruined. The city's uh, going to pot. Well, look, 
how are you going to prevent me from selling Lucy's? I go and I roll, I, buy, I go and buy legal weed, you know, and, uh, and I, I stand out in front of Just Breathe. What, what's the charge? What, what, what is the, the criminal charge uh, that is going to be uh, imposed upon somebody, uh, say, uh, selling uh, five, you know, make, making his money back uh, from the retail purchase? 21% tax differential. Uh, if you put that on a pound of coffee, you'd have a black market in coffee. So, Or anything else. I mean, yeah. so here's in the official manifesto from the fourth floor. Here's a direct quote. Binghamton is leading the way on legal cannabis, on the legal cannabis industry in New York State. That is the first quote from City Hall. By proactively updating local zoning laws and working with our New York State partners, the city has positioned itself to capitalize on the opportunity to attract good careers and new community investments while growing the industry in a responsible manner that benefits all residents. This new business is an exciting next step. Well, uh, we have experience with State Street and... uh frat houses with plastic cups are, are we uh, are we uh, responsible uh, in in uh, alcohol uh, uh, with college students binge drinking uh, the answer is no uh, <laughs> it's uh, it is a sick world but all i know is this people have certain things they want to do they have their own lives they are proceeding to uh, most people proceed uh they handle their troubles one at a time. Uh, they want to do whatever they want to do, recreation. Uh, but they they don't want to do it being hassled. And to tell you the truth, if you can go to the Oakdale Mall and sit on a veranda and uh, breathe in the fresh uh, pine tree air and, and have a brew, uh, you're going to go there. You're, you're not going to walk around Binghamton. Uh, with all these stoners around. Uh, so that's, and you know, I, I predict this. It's going to be the case where you're going to have people on the courthouse lawn uh, looking like uh, uh, Malaysia or Indonesia with the British East India Company. I mean, they're going to be uh, stumbling around, and uh, it's, it's, it, we're going to see how how responsible this is, uh, you know, and this is, of course, the same government that's telling you not to smoke and everything else. And that's another so, thing. Uh, I mean, uh, I thought the biggest, truly in my lifetime, the biggest breakthrough in New York State law when was in, it was inexplicable to me at the time how New York State lawmakers actually banned indoor smoking. I thought that was a joke, and it turns out it was for real. And I always regarded that as as perhaps one of the singular breakthroughs in New York state law against all odds, protecting my health and your health and the health of 20 million New Yorkers by uh, keeping us from being exposed to tobacco smoke indoors. Now we've got New York state from the key enabler, Kathy Hochul, on down, everybody. Republicans, Democrats, independents, libertarians, everybody seems to be on the bandwagon of, yeah, let's sell lots of weed. I mean, I thought 
back in the day one time this could potentially be a partisan issue. Now we have Binghamton's preeminent Republican leader, the person who may lead Binghamton for the next five decades, is is leading the bandwagon down the, the wacky weed path. Well, neither Cram, uh, Jared Cram, nor his father uh, were were real Republicans. They were always uh, left of center. They were always uh, Democrats. Uh, uh, we call them rhinos today. But he, he's a he's a Bernie Sanders guy. Uh, you know, uh, so that that's that. I mean, this guy. Look, this guy's at the end of the term. He'll make like seven hundred thousand plus benefits from from a, a political job. Uh, he, he was financed, his education was financed through political jobs. That's all he knows. But he's a fine fellow. Uh, but, Bob, I just want to say two things to you about schools. Uh, I uh, I essentially told people uh, to get their kids immediately out of Binghamton schools, immediately. Now, uh, if they have to pool their resources and get an apartment or a rental property in another school district and use that as the address to get in, uh, they need to get their kids out. Now, I said that before this recent lockdown. Uh, kids are not safe in the Binghamton School District. I mean, their their minds aren't safe from poisoning. That's bad enough. But uh, their, their physical safety uh, is in jeopardy. And the only way, the only way you can deal with it now, since it is an emergency, and I declare this emergency in my opinion, is to get your kids out of Binghamton schools immediately. Don't wait. Uh, your your kid's safety is in jeopardy. It's bad enough. I was concerned. I drove past the high school on uh, the other morning. What was it, Monday or Tuesday? I drove past the high school at 8.57 a.m. There were at least three marked cop cars. Who knows how many unmarked units there were? I mean, it's... Uh I don't know, you know, and, and there's another thing where they won't even tell you specifically what's going on. Something about well, a threat that someone made on social media. Well, you know, here's an it. Well, you don't have a free flow of information, but uh, over the years, here's what's happened. Uh, Binghamton School District, and there's a lot of old time Binghamton families uh, at the beginning at, at sort of at the end of Dr. Lee's tenure. Uh, through Wozniak and the disastrous Marianne Martinez, there was a policy of controlled disintegration. In other words, these West Siders, these South Siders, uh, wanted their kids uh, to go to the school that perhaps they went to, fond memories. And there was enough of those type of people where uh, things didn't get out of hand. They created the baccalaureate program. Uh, but that policy of controlled disintegration is now over with. The disintegration is complete. So what are you telling us, John? Are you suggesting all that's left of the once-proud Binghamton school infrastructure is a bunch of smoldering rubble at several locations throughout the parlor city? Absolutely, 100%, and I hate to say it, but it is it is nothing but a memory. It is one of the worst school districts. There's no way to spin it. Uh, uh, more well, money. okay, let's look forward. So now you've, you've described the situation on February 9th, 2023. So moving forward now, who will be the next school oh. superintendent? Because now we have to look forward to a new chapter to try to revitalize the city of Binghamton schools. Who, who would be best positioned, and I think it has to be a young person because this is not going to be a quick or easy job, but 
And I know I'm putting you on the spot, so maybe you could consider this and give me a call tomorrow. Who is best positioned to be the new Binghamton City School Superintendent? Well, who is best positioned is uh, Al Pena if he wants the job. But uh, I, that's it's interesting. He's still living in in Binghamton or living oh, in the area, isn't he? Board. Okay, yeah, he's a member of the school board now. Well, and he he's still, I believe. If I'm not mistaken, I believe he's still very widely respected, both generally in the city and in the school district. Well, yes, and let me say this: that I, because I, I haven't said this, I congratulate uh, Board President Brian Whalen uh, for uh, standing right up to the thugs. This is a brave man. This is a man of character. This is a man uh, who uh, has served on the Binghamton School Board for many, many years, and he is not afraid, and God bless Brian Whalen. Well, time will tell. Time will tell. And, of course, we'll continue to monitor uh, what is going on at the Binghamton City School District. Obviously, these are challenging times, and I, for one, wish everybody involved the best. I know some people who are affiliated with Binghamton City School District, and uh, I wish each and every one of them the best. Teachers, administrators, support staff, students, parents, and the general community. I think now is the time, more than ever, to support the Binghamton City School District. It's 925. I'm Bob Joseph, live on WNBF. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Um, Dale from Bampton. What's up? Um, the whole uh, marijuana situation, I think, is uh, bad for younger kids, you know, going to school and this and that and everything. And it's going to be spread around, you know, and not say anything about the parents, but it's going to be spread around, you know. And I don't think it should be legalized. I think it should be in uh, class two or so. You know, if you you need it for a medical situation, okay. But if if you uh, legalize it on the street, and what's going to happen? Well, for one thing, a lot of people, I guess, will be walking around smiling more. So I hope they don't accidentally wander into traffic. Well, of course. I mean, if kids, here's the thing: if kids can get their hands, if kids can get their hands on beer and tobacco. Uh huh. I would say they're going to be able to, starting tomorrow, in just over 24 hours, they'll probably have even better access to better quality weed. Yeah. It'll cost more, to be sure. You know, I'm not afraid of it, but if they want to do it, and and they want to ruin their life. Well, clearly they want to do it. They want to do it. And... And, Dale, the bottom line is, who are we to judge? I'm not one to judge. Yeah, I'm not being judgmental. I'm, I'll am i be here observing every step of the way. Of course I'll be here every step of the way. The The store is almost next door to the station. I know. 
So there, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, already, already, one time I came into this um, hollowed building, and it is a hollowed building, I call it the WNBF Tower, and one time in the lobby, not in our office area, but in the general lobby, honestly, there was the strong odor of burning cannabis, and I was shocked. Yeah. But what are you going to do? What you know? I couldn't report it to the police. What are the police going to do? Say, yeah, somebody was smoking cannabis in the lobby of the WNBF tower. What are we supposed to do about it? The police, their hands are tied. I'm not putting it down. I'm saying that people shouldn't really do it. Well, I, again, I'm not giving anyone advice. You know, if you're if you're 18, if you're an adult, and you want to do Whatever it is, people, free people in a free country do, do it. Don't try to be responsible in whatever you do. Don't do harm to yourself and don't do harm to others. That's, that's my concern. My concern is I don't want anyone to be harmed. The, those who use the weed, those who sell the weed, and also other people who live and work in Binghamton. I don't want anyone to be harmed. I want this to be a win-win for everyone. You're right. All right. So thank you for your call. I I appreciate it. We'll continue to report from the front lines. Okay. Thank you. It's 929. This is Bob Joseph on the front lines. Not afraid to report what I see and still willing to ask a few questions. At News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. Take some more calls, Bob and Vestal. Good morning. You're on the air. Little Paul Simon. Ryman Simon. Yeah, about this weed situation. Why didn't they do this 50 years ago when I smoked it? That's what I'm asking. Damn. You know, why you now? You know, why, you know, it's like... You're a boy. You never smoked it. Come. <laughs> hey, man. You never smoked it. You're a choir boy. But I dreamed um, of it. I dreamed what it would be you know like. What's better? What? Hash. Really? Yeah, hash is unreal. It's got a nicer taste. And wonder if they still make that. They used to come from Afghanistan and stuff years ago. Well, I wonder if they're going to open up a hash store. That'd so, be cool. So you could have the weed, the wacky weed shack on one side of the street, and then across the street at the courthouse, they could set up like a little kiosk called yeah. um, um, Hash Hut. And then Munchies. 
Yeah. Well, see, I was thinking of capitalizing on this, and actually you could help me out, even though we're unlikely partners because of our different worldviews, but the two of us could work together to open up Bob's Brownies. Yeah. (laughs) Can you imagine? We would clean up. We could be selling, like, two-ounce brownies, and I'm not talking about adulterated brownies, regular brownies, two ounces for ten bucks. You know, that's true when you smoke that stuff. You could eat, I mean, it's unreal what it does to your appetite. I remember years ago, it's like you could just grab anything and, ah, I don't know what that does to your appetite, but that's true. Well, you know who uh, ought to be celebrating? They're going to have to add more jobs over at the potato chip plant there in Kirkwood. They'll probably have to add at least two or 300 more jobs and and run that place uh, extra hours, increase the the output of uh, salty snacks. Never applied there. I heard it was a pretty good place to work, and they paid above what a lot of places around here were years ago. But I just never, never got up there to apply or whatever. Yeah, I always heard good things about the place. Oh, I got another thought on this weed thing. I mean, let people enjoy themselves because I don't think we're long for. Eh, it's I probably think, true. That's why I'm think, trying. I'm trying to keep. Um, a middle of the road approach. Again, I'm not. I'm not in a position. I won't lecture people. I won't judge people. I'm just saying, personally, and this is just personally. I'm. I'm no Anthony Fauci, but personally, I think if you smoke something that is not going to be good for your lungs, and and perhaps it could cause other problems for your health. That and again, that's not a judgmental thing. I think that's just common sense. That it's probably oh, yeah, yeah, not going to help you. It's not good for your brain either. I remember uh, people I grew up with that like smoked it a lot, and they were like, "Duh!" You know? well, <laughs> I years. I yeah. mean, I liked it till I was about nineteen or twenty. I said, "Man, this shit's weird. I'm just not even going to do it." Yeah, anymore. I think for a lot of people, it's just transitional. You know, say from eighteen to twenty-two, or maybe sixteen to twenty-two, whatever. I think that's sort of uh, a rite of passage for many people. And again, you know. It, it, it's not as some people would portray it, say in the, uh, that fine Hollywood masterpiece, uh, Reefer Madness. It's not like that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's, that's a comedy. But I think still the, the bottom line is, you know, if somebody of any age, whether they're 12 or 92, if they came up to me and said, Bob, I'm thinking of buying some weed to smoke, and I would say, okay. And if they ask me a specific question, do you think I should? And if they ask me, I'm not going to volunteer, but if they asked me, I said, I would say, no, I don't think you should. But you're, you know, you're 12 years old or you're 92. It's your life. You make your decision. Will it, yeah, will like it kill you? Will it take, will, will smoking a little weed in 2023 mean that you're going to have a shorter lifespan? Um Probably not, but on the other hand, it's not something that I would encourage. How about Cheech and Chong, asking? <laughs> hey, man. Hey, man. <laughs> I always thought, you know, I, that was an interesting shtick as far as it went. I mean, that, that sort of yeah. thing wouldn't fly in 2023, but, you know, for for their time, at that particular point in time, I thought I thought the concept worked. Oh, man, those people were out there, weren't they? Oh, man. <laughs> All right, All right. Well, I hope you have a good one, and uh, just be careful. I'm, have you been outside I been yet? Out yet? 
Yeah. Oh, be- seriously, I I already took a took a tumble, and it, but it doesn't count because I didn't get it on oh. video. If I had it on my video, my windshield looks like it's. I'm looking out my kitchen window, and it looks like there's a light ice. Yeah, in the windshield. A, and but I was just talking to Dave Nicosia from the National Weather Service, and he said, "Well, the thing is, it's spotty." It's spotty. In, in some places, there's no problem. And then in other places, it's very, very slippery. So people really, really need to uh, exercise caution for the next few hours. Thank you. That is the report from Vestal, making contemporary news. It's 939, Bob Joseph, live at News Radio, WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. Always available on the free WNBF app. It's an M- Bob Joseph live at 941 at WNBF. Bob and Kirkwood, good morning. You're on the air. Hi, Bob. Uh, I, I don't know that much about cannabis, but I know that it comes in chewables, edibles, and that you can cut those edibles up into small doses and take a small dose, and it's made of hash oil, which is a concentration of uh, cannabis, and that it uh, it could be useful as a, a kind of a replacement for uh, uh, other things like alcohol that can be uh, dangerous to drive with. I wouldn't drive with it, but I think I think it might be a useful thing if it's used in the future as a a medication to help people who are sick or in the hospice situations. So I think there's a possibility of a good thing coming from this, even though it's even though it sounds like it's gonna make a big mess of things. And I I apologize I appreciate your open mindedness on that subject. Oh yeah. I, again I'm not judgmental and, and again if you're an adult adults make choices all the time every day and i encourage adults to make responsible choices for themselves you know yeah. no, no no lecture here and this is a judgment free zone i mean say if so, again if somebody calls in and describes well uh, I, I i spent the whole night smoking weed and now i don't know which end is up i might blurt out live on the air something to the effect well gee why'd you do that but, um, you know, if, if you're in the comfort of your own home, hanging out watching the Cartoon Channel or C-SPAN or something, and you want to smoke your brains out as an adult, you know, hey, we all, we all make choices. And, of course, for every choice we make, there could be consequences. Uh, yeah, definitely. And I even think it's uh, especially useful for people who are experience with it and use it at maybe in a hospice situation right there i think i definitely think and and, and going forward going forward if i find myself in a medic with a medical condition where i am dealing with pain and need some sort of pain management i wouldn't rule it out at all at all but i would probably consult with my physician my personal 
medical provider to get advice. Appreciate your call. Thank you. It's 944 WNBF. Everybody is encouraged to make responsible choices. As often as, as you can. I know, you make mistakes. Hey, we all make mistakes. Because we're human. It's 944. This is WNBF 607-772-1290. Bob Joseph, live on your radio. For 50... It's 9.48, no script, no teleprompter, just a kid with a microphone and a telephonic device. That's what we do here at WNBF, stripped down to its bare bones, broadcasting the way Marconi said it should be. Let's go back to the phones now. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Is, is, is this my call? I'm afraid it is. What's your first oh, name and where are you calling from? Yeah, Tom from IndyCat. How you doing? Good. Yeah, What's on your mind? Well, the, 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 uh, Joe Biden is going to go talk about Social Security and, and Medicare and the, the evil Republicans, and I'm sure certain gentlemen will probably call in about that. But my, my concern is the following. Going forward, with the lack of pensions that exist, Social Security is not going to be enough to sustain us. And in addition to that, I think Joe should say, we have a problem. It's not going to be funded in the future. We need to work together to figure out what we are going to do, as opposed to just create this evil sense, because it is going to run out of money, and it's got to be dealt with. So what what can be done? Well, I, I mean, the money, you're right. The money's going to run out, and then nobody's going to have money. We're um, already borrowing too much from the Chinese and, and other foreign sources. So, what's the solution? Well, my, my kids keep telling me they're going to retire at 55 because they're going to invest in the market and, and do smart things and own additional properties and everything else. And I, I used to think that at one time, but. Sometimes there's things you can control and there's things you can't control. I mean, I've heard them mention that that would be the way to to fix Social Security is just everybody invested kind of in a 401k type thing. And based on history of the market, it would cover the Delta. But do people want to, will, will people feel comfortable on that? I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that people would really uh, agree with that. It might right. be part of the solution but i'm i'm not sure how many people could be persuaded to um to get on board that that bandwagon but definitely something needs to be done i mean this is it's a crisis that we can definitely see coming coming at us yeah i guess that's my takeaway just that it'd be better for everybody if we could agree that by this date you know whether i guess i heard that in france now they want to raise their 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 pension, their Social Security, two years from 62 to 64. And, uh, you know, what, once they start doing that, you know, if it goes to 70-plus, I mean, to fix it, it it's definitely going to change the game, right? So I'd like to see the Republicans and the Democrats get together and maybe put four ideas out there and start talking about those ideas as opposed to 
you're just saying you're out to screw me or I'm out to screw you. It's just kind of sad. I agree. I appreciate your call, Paul. Uh, Tom. Tom, actually. Uh, Tom? Tom from Endicott. Yeah. Oh, okay. You, Let me hold on because I, I had to keep track. I wrote, for some reason I wrote down Paul, so Tom. Okay. From Endicott. What part of Endicott, by the way, just out of curiosity? Uh, I, I live off, off uh, basically off task. But I, I'm doing my walk right now. That's why the mail truck drives by. Like I mentioned once before, I do my two-hour walk to your station. So <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I, I try to stay on streets that aren't, aren't, aren't uh, aggressively driven, but sometimes you get a bonus. Right. By the way, how icy is it there? Is it very icy? Yeah, it is it slippery? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, when I when I was walking to church this morning, it was a little bit icy. It slowed me down a little bit, but in general, now on the on the streets, it's definitely getting warmer. All right, so still be careful though, because there there still are some icy patches around, especially I can imagine up at that elevation. Yeah, the, the one thing I'd like to find out about is you had green light networks on, and you know they 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 modified all our local area, but and they sent out a thing that you know for fifty dollars you can sign up. But it's not clear what exactly they have to do. I guess I want to investigate that further. But they, they certainly don't seem to be trying to explain what it means to install Greenlight Networks. If you have a chance to have them on, it might be an interesting topic for people interested. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll probably have him back on. Remember, he was right. on just a few weeks ago, and he was talking no, no, about wiring up... Um your neighborhood i i know i didn't ask a lot of specifics but i i was in your neighborhood oh whenever that was two or three weeks ago because i wanted to drive around and i saw a couple of the the green light crews out there and but they were busy so i didn't stop and and chat with them so i i know they were wiring uh, a number of the streets on both sides of taft avenue yeah, and I was the one that called in that, that for that occurrence. Oh, that's right. Like I said, it had yep. all the flags on the street, and we still have, you know, 200 flags on our street <laughs> stuck in everybody's property, marking, you know, electrical and sewer and all that stuff. And I'm just wondering, do we pull up the flags? Do we leave them there? We better we leave them there. Vehicles? Better leave them there if the underground facilities protection people put them there. You probably should leave them there for the time no, being, just in case, take, but, but, yeah. No, so, I'm not going to take them, but we'll let be nice to know what their yeah, plan is. I will, uh, I, I suspect we'll have him on again in the not-too-distant future, and I'll, I'll try to ask him some specifics. All right, hey, thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you. It's 9.54 WNBF. We aim to please. As you may have heard, Joe Biden was speaking the other night about social security actually he continued to talk about the social security when he was in wisconsin the land of fine cheese fine cheese and wisconsin dells so he talked uh, wednesday about the spirited debate that went on during the televised speech Regarding possible cuts to Medicare and Social Security, Biden said it sounded to him like the Republican lawmakers agreed to take those cuts off the table. We've had a spirited debate last night with my Republican friend. My Republican friends. (laughs) 
They seem shocked when I raised the plans of some of their members and their caucus to cut Social Security. And Marjorie Taylor Greene and others stood up and said, liar, liar. Reminds me of liar, liar, house on fire, yeah. <laughs> well, at least he didn't bring George Santos into it. Now, that guy, that guy is in a category by himself. I mean, even, even Mitt Romney had trouble making friends with George Santos. 9.56 coming up. We'll talk about the weather with Mr. Weather, Dave Nicosia, here on WNBF. You're listening to News Radio, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Thursday morning, 10 o'clock. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Good morning on this Thursday, February 9th. You're listening to WNBF. A blighted vacant parcel in the heart of downtown Binghamton could soon be brought back to life if a former mayor's plans become reality. A restaurant featuring a beer garden is planned for the site at 138-140 Washington Street. The spot has been empty for decades after a New Year's Eve fire tore through the popular Royal Lounge and a neighboring adult bookstore. No one was hurt in the blaze that erupted on December 31, 1999. Former Mayor Richard David is proposing opening a new business in what would be a prefabricated two-story structure with about 2,000 square feet of space. He has advised city officials he wants to start construction as quickly as possible. David acquired the Washington Street site for $50,000 in July 2009, a few years before he took office as mayor. David was joined by Christopher Kazmersik and Michaela Fargnoli Tuesday at meetings of the Commission on Architecture and Urban Design and the City Planning Commission. Kazmersik and Fargnoli are expected to oversee day-to-day operations of the business. David said our timeline is pretty aggressive. He indicated he hoped the site work could begin within four to six weeks. He said the target date for opening is June. The former mayor said the business would be an open year-round operation, but he's looking forward to taking advantage of the warmer weather for outdoor seating. The first legal cannabis dispensary in the southern tier has no remaining obstacles to opening its doors in downtown Binghamton, New York this week. In a press release on Wednesday, City of Binghamton Mayor Jared Cram announced that what will be the first legal cannabis dispensary in New York outside of New York City has received local approval and can open downtown this week. The dispensary, operated by the owner of On Point Cannabis, Damian Cornwell, will be located at 75 Court Street, right in the heart of downtown Binghamton. In the press release, Cornwell stated with his local approval, Just Breathe is set to make history right here in Binghamton as the first licensed cannabis dispensary in all of upstate New York. We're excited for what this means for the community, downtown Binghamton's continued revitalization, and our local economy. Thanks to the New York State Office of Cannabis Management and the City of Binghamton for proactively laying the framework for this moment. A planning commission meeting was held in the Binghamton City Council Chambers, where the dispensary received its final approval to open. Mayor Cram stated Binghamton is leading the way on the illegal cannabis industry in New York State. By proactively updating local zoning laws and working with our New York State partners, the city has positioned itself to capitalize on the opportunity to attract good careers and new community investments while growing the industry in a responsible manner that benefits all residents. This new business is an exciting next step. In order to pave the way for opening the first cannabis dispensary in upstate New York, Binghamton began updating its zoning laws nearly a year ago to plan for future cannabis businesses. Workers are busy putting tons of steel in place for the $132 million addition to Wilson Medical Center in Johnson City. A 340-foot-tall crane is being used to lift the massive beams to assemble what will become a six-story clinical tower on the north side of the hospital. 
On Wednesday morning, several beams were hoisted simultaneously to the top of the rising structure. The giant crane is expected to remain at the construction site for another three months. The 183,000-square-foot addition will include a new emergency department and trauma center. There also will be 120 new private rooms, a recovery room, and a rooftop helipad. Sidewalks on the northeast end of Harrison Street and the northwest end of Baldwin Street near the construction site are closed. Pedestrians should use sidewalks on the opposite side of the street. State regulators approved the expansion project three years ago. A United Health Services spokesperson said a new two-bed trauma room opened on December 15th. A fully functional post-acute care unit is scheduled to become operational this Saturday. The new clinical tower is expected to be occupied by June 2024. Donald Trump's former lawyer, Michael Cohen, met yet again Wednesday with New York City prosecutors, who have spent years examining the former president's financial dealings. Cohen stopped briefly to talk with reporters as he entered the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. He said it was the 15th time he had met with prosecutors. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg recently convened a new grand jury to hear evidence related to payments Cohen helped arrange in 2016 to two women who claimed to have had sexual encounters with Trump. Trump has said he did nothing wrong and that the investigation is politically motivated. The officer who pulled Tyree Nichols from his car before police fatally beat him never explained why he was being stopped, newly released documents show. Emerging reports from Memphis residents suggest that was commonplace. The Tennessee Peace Officers Standards and Training Commission released documents Tuesday blasting the conduct of Demetrius Haley and four other officers as blatantly unprofessional. They include revelations that Haley took photographs of Nichols as he lay propped against a police car. Haley then sent the photos to other officers and a female acquaintance. The Memphis Police Department wrote in requesting that the five officers be stripped of the ability to work as police. With an eye toward the 2024 campaign, President Joe Biden is venturing to Florida. It's a state defined by its growing retiree population and status as the unofficial headquarters of the modern-day Republican Party. The president sees a chance to use Social Security and Medicare to drive a wedge between GOP lawmakers and their base of old voters who rely on these government programs for income and health insurance. Biden is trying to lay the groundwork for an expected re-election campaign announcement this spring. Leading Republican lawmakers insist that spending cuts to Social Security and Medicare are off the table, but enough prominent Republicans have broached the subject that Biden sees a political opportunity. And an owl who escaped from the Central Park Zoo after someone damaged his cage has become New York City's latest avian celebrity. The owl has been attracting gawkers as he surveys the park from one tall tree or another, but he has been stoking fears that he can't hunt and will starve. Zoo officials say the Eurasian eagle owl named Falco escaped on February 2nd. Since then, he has been spotted at various locations in the southeast section of the park. Zoo officials said last week that they were seeking to recapture Falco, but they have not issued any updates on their efforts since then. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, rain or freezing rain likely before 9 a.m., then rain. A high near 46 degrees and 80% chance of rain. Tonight, chance of showers between 8 p.m. and 3 a.m. Mostly cloudy with a low near 41 degrees. Wind gusts as high as 28 miles per hour, a 40% chance of rain. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a high near 42. Tomorrow night, cloudy, a low near 25. Saturday, partly sunny with a high near 34. Saturday night, partly cloudy, a low near 24. And Sunday, mostly sunny with a high near 44. Sunday night, partly cloudy, a low near 26 degrees. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first, News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM.
Bob Joseph live on News Radio, WNBF 921 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. Thinking about the weather, and that means Dave Nicosia is thinking about the weather with us here in the studio. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. It's great to be here. Well, it's great to have you back in the studio. You are, of course, the weather czar. You <laughs> the control czar. the weather oh, for no, much no, no, of no. upstate New York. I don't control the weather. I'm telling you, I get that all the time. People, people are like, "Oh, could you make it?" snow or make it oh my my daughter's getting married in june i get this all the time do you make the weather good that weekend the third saturday in june can you make sure that that it's just right no precipitation not too humid oh say could you have it 68 degrees and sunny at 2 p.m and then at 3 30 p.m with just the right amount of sunlight for outdoor photos and then when it doesn't happen guess what they get mad at me. Uh, of course they, <laughs> they blame me. It's human nature. That's human right. nature. So, gee, you've been the meteorologist in charge at the National Weather Service Binghamton office now for, well, a substantial amount of time. Not quite two years. Yeah, coming up on two years in a few months, but yeah. Well, mm-hmm. congratulations. I think it's great. As we've established in the past, you grew up. Not far from here. You grew up, uh, I believe, just over the border, a little bit to the west in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. In Bradford County. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's just an honor to be able to serve the communities that I grew up near and around. And, you know, I used to come up to Binghamton all the time when I was a kid, back when Binghamton really was happening, you know, at the Oakdale Mall and concerts at the arena and yeah the the good old days but uh no i've always loved this area and i'm really feel privileged to to serve it you know and and you know i've always even when i was a child i always used to listen to the NOAA weather radio broadcast out of binghamton new york from the national weather service up there and you know it's it's incredible how things come full circle and now i'm i'm the meteorologist meteorologist in charge there so well when i was a kid they had a morning show that's back when the morning show was live they had the breakfast flakes or no not the breakfast flakes weather flakes and they um i i think jimmy and donnie and the weather flakes and they it was live and it sounded like a morning zoo every once in a while on fridays things would get out of hand you could hear uh equipment being broken, which I think was actually a Radio Shack sound effects record, but still, it sounded like they uh, had a lot of fun. And of course, unfortunately, because of technology, the weather flakes are no longer with WXL thirty eight, and right. we know who's hosting now, uh, Ronnie the robot. Uh, you know? Yeah, they automated that. 
Gosh, back in the mid 1990s. Gosh, I hope that doesn't happen here. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, this is Binghamton now. I'm Ronnie. (laughs) You know, now with sad thing is now with artificial intelligence, you know, it's just the um, breakthroughs in artificial intelligence over the last month or two. I keep looking over my shoulder, waiting for them to, you know, the the guy, our (laughs) IT guy, saying. Hi Bob, I'm don't don't mind me. I'm just doing a software upgrade, and it's like, oh, Ronnie, Ronnie has arrived. So. Yeah, and then all of a sudden your passwords don't work. All of a sudden, I know the you know it's like no email access. My look at this, my my always dependable. Hey, Bob, it's like no matter how many times. Well, I think I'll try the front door. It still doesn't work. What happens? And it's like you know. It's, well, let's hope that doesn't happen. When it happens, I'm going to apply. To be the morning man at WXL 3-8. And here's the thing. I will do it on a volunteer basis. I will do, I will follow the format. And people will say, this is the weirdest thing. It's the only NOAA weather radio station in the U.S. that actually has a, a live morning guy. You know, I'd, and, But I would follow format and people would say, I don't know. After about a week, people would say, Can you bring the... Um, the automated format, the robot voice back. This this guy with his witty little barbs is is a little hard to handle in the morning. You know, you, you talk about that, and back again when I was a child growing up, it, it was actually fun to listen to the different announcers. You know, the different meteorologists while they gave the weather, and you you kind of got to know them. You know their name because they would always tell their name and. I don't know. It was just you had that more personal connection, and, and I actually kind of liked it back then. But, you know, the, the issue is that the Weather Service back in the mid-1990s, so we're talking 25 years ago, a quarter century ago, modernized and they consolidated offices. And Binghamton, we're fortunate that we were one that was consolidated too. So we got extra staffing here, and the Syracuse and Scranton small offices got you know, they close those down and they move the people down here in Binghamton. So, because we have a radar and that's why. Um, but the problem is, is we run 13 NOAA weather radio transmitters. We used to run two. And that's right. And that right. makes a huge yeah. difference. We can't, we couldn't, if you had people doing that, you couldn't keep up with, and we, we have the ability to issue warnings so fast. I could put three warnings out within the span of like three minutes so how are you going to be able to get that on a broadcast it's and it could be life-saving information so in a sense the the new way of doing things is more efficient at getting life-saving information out and that really is our mission versus entertaining people on the you know the, ra- the weather with radio. contests and, and requests you know hi this is bob and in, in endicott uh could you play uh ten thousand maniacs like the weather sure bob here's your request you want it dedicated to your friend natalie and james yeah hmm. but you know i mean and, and you know your station here you know it's it's great what you do because you reinforce our warnings and everything, but you know you also provide more information, and that's always very helpful. Well, there's only so in, much information and context. For example, this morning the weather service issued a special weather right. statement because of some of the icy conditions with some right. freezing rain in parts of the Binghamton area, right. and and that's good because it can get out immediately on the 
uh, radio and TV stations in the Binghamton region. Every radio and TV station has access to that from the National Weather Service, and people also have access on weather radio and also at weather.gov on the National Weather Service website. So that's very important, and I I have to tell you how much I rely, whether it's special weather statements, uh, watches and warnings and so on, they're all important year-round. But one of the things that I I think that we're, we're in this unique position right now, especially with a live weekday talk program for three hours in the morning i can come in here and actually tell people you know when they put out this special weather statement and say there are some slippery spots there are because i actually uh 54 minutes fell on my butt in front of my house i don't have video to prove it but take it from me it it can be hazardous so be careful and i think that helps to reinforce the the weather guidance that the uh, office at the Greater Binghamton Airport puts yeah. out, and, and that's that's exactly right, and that's what we rely on the the media folks like yourself, TV stations, and other radio stations to do is to amplify our message because you know not everybody you know reads their you know gets all this information all the time, and it's it's really great that you can amplify it and add your own unfortunate personal experiences. Wow. Yeah, I mean, for, see, you know, I can laugh. As they say, a lot of times, if you take a fall like that, the, the biggest thing that you heard is your pride. You're looking around saying, oh, great, my neighbors all have ring doorbell cameras, so this will be up on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok probably in the next 10 seconds. So, you know, the, the world will be having having a, a great laugh at my expense. But, but they'll on, be aware. That's the thing. And and that's I, I actually did something with which I seldom do. Uh shortly after I, I started the the drive into Binghamton, I actually took a moment out to record on a sixty second video and post it on Twitter just to let people know about the potential hazards for driving or walking. And I thought, well, it's it's not a very exciting or entertaining video, but I thought Eh, if I can save one person from falling or maybe one person from winding up in a ditch or, or whatever, right. um, you know, encouraging people to um, exercise a, a little bit of caution, well, it's, it's time well spent. Absolutely, and that's, that's kind of how, how we operate, too. I mean, if we just issue, if we issue a statement and one person happens to, to you know, heed the what's in the statement and say, oh, it's going to be slippery, and they don't slip and fall. Because some people, you know, they're not, you know, they may fall, and they could break a hip or, you know, well, do something very can be, serious. For, I mean, yeah. for some people, can especially be. older folks exactly. or people with certain health conditions, falls could be very serious, could exactly. be a serious injury or, sadly, in some cases, result in death. The other thing that you can never take lightly is, although most of the time, say, if you fall, you're not going to wind up with a head injury, but depending on where you fall and how you fall, say if you're near your car and you fall and strike your head against part of the vehicle or wind up falling and hitting a building or a part of concrete, well, then you might wind up, in rare cases, with a a serious head injury. And so, I mean, fortunately, it doesn't happen frequently, but it can happen. Yeah. So, you know... And, and we, we just don't 
as a you know our, our office, we just don't realize how much we actually do for everybody. It's you know, we don't see it. You know, so. I'll say you're unsung heroes because it's it's a service. In some ways, I view it like a utility. We we rely on our utilities for electricity or natural gas or water or whatever. And most of the time, we take it all for granted. It's in, it's in a rare circumstance where people say, oh, the power was out for 30 seconds. Man, I'm, I'm not happy with Ready Kilowatt. Or, or sometimes, and sometimes it happens with uh, access to a weather forecast. If right. there are issues, web issues, or sometimes issues, technical issues with a certain weather radio station, which I know occasionally can happen, right. um, when you don't have it, that's when you say, gee, that, that should be available 24-7 always, and there should never, ever be a disruption. But sometimes there are disruptions. Happens, yeah. It's 10-24. We're talking about the weather with Dave Nicosia, the meteorologist in charge of the National Weather Service office at Binghamton. Let's, um, let's assess the winter so far. We're now, now, meteorological winter runs from December 1st through february 1st that's no, march, or march 1st. 1st okay march 1st. so in terms of meteorological winter we're more than two-thirds yes, of the way are. in terms of uh calendar winter we uh are just a little bit past the midway point so yes, we are. let's have an assessment from a um a weather standpoint from a meteorologist standpoint about the winter season so far well december was near normal we had actually very close to normal temp. In fact, I think the, at the airport, I think we were like right exactly normal. But normal uh, consisted of being very mild at some parts of the month, and then other parts we had that really brutal cold uh, outbreak around Christmas. So when you average that together, it all came out to very close to normal. Then January, surprisingly, January was the second warmest January on record at the airport. We missed the all-time record. Uh, The the mean for the airport was 31.4 Fahrenheit. The record is 31.5 Fahrenheit, so we missed it by a tenth of a degree. That was set back in the warm winter of 1990. So so it was a very, very warm January. And now this February, we we started off with another brutal cold. Just it, It didn't last long. Uh, but it was very, you know, got down to, I believe we got down to 13 below at the airport. Many locations were between 10 and 20 below zero. And then it just warmed right up, and that's where we are today. And the future in the next week or so, my goodness, it's there's a big, what we call, ridge of high pressure in the east. And the jet stream is dipping uh, into the western United States. So we're getting winds out of the south here. So we're having very mild weather. We're projected to have very mild weather in the next week. And the western United States gets to experience some pretty serious winter weather. So it looks very mild to all the way through at least next week. And, yeah, and I, I just, from what I'm seeing, it doesn't look like there's going to be much of a turnaround this month um, so far. So, I mean, 
But beware of March. So I punched up this story. Beware this is, of March. This Absolutely. is a story <laughs> that some of our listeners will remember very well because it happened eight years ago. And there was an exceptionally cold period at the end of February and into March. And dozens and dozens of people right here in the city of Binghamton wound up without water for several days because their pipes were frozen right. and nobody could do a thing about it. There were a couple of specific streets, and I know some people who were, were affected. You would think in 2015 in the United States of America, frozen pipes, I mean, at least for lots of people, would not be an issue. But it was in parts right. of Binghamton and elsewhere. And I'm looking at a story that I did, and I remember the picture I took was March 3rd, 2015. And even now, my hands are starting to shake because it was so cold. Right. And I was talking with some of the Binghamton Water Bureau people because they were on one street over on the, the south side, St. Clair Avenue, and the entire street, or at least most of the street, at least half a dozen homes on that small street, had no water service for an extended period of time. Turns out, whoever buried the water lines in the first place didn't put the water lines as deep as they should have been and that issue has since been rectified so they shouldn't have that problem again but again it you know i'm sure a lot of people thought you know, by late february or early march we're we're going to be gliding to spring and very few people would have expected that that we would have had water lines freezing up on a widespread basis yeah that february was historic it really was i mean we had uh in upstate new york it was among the coldest februarys on record syracuse was the coldest month on record going back to 1902 so that was an exceptionally cold february and march was exceptionally cold too in fact the temperatures in march that winter uh or spring i guess by march was equivalent to what we see in january so that was a that was one of the coldest winters we've had here on record. So, yeah, it just shows you that it it, it varies. I mean, it, you know, this February probably will end up fairly mild, and it starts to balance out some of the cold that we had a few years back. But, yeah, that was a historically cold February. Coldest February on record in Binghamton, uh, second coldest month on record in Binghamton. But then, like I said, up in Syracuse, and that was when the Great Lakes completely, almost completely froze over. So we didn't have the Great Lakes modifying the air, the warm water. There wasn't; it was all ice. So it just added to the to the cold. So that was truly an exceptional winter, and I remember it. And it, it was just incredible. So not seeing that this year. So that's good news. So what are some of the factors that have been affecting? Our weather in in recent weeks as as we continue to move through the winter of 2022-2023? Well, there's something, uh, and many of, you, many of your listeners may have heard of this, is the La Nina pattern in the Pacific Ocean. What that is, is the, the ocean waters in the central or the equatorial regions of the Pacific Ocean are much colder than normal. And believe it or not, that affects where the tropical thunderstorms are especially towards indonesia and southeast asia and that actually does impact the northern hemisphere jet stream in the winter and the primary pattern that we see is this the eastern united states gets under uh, more southerly flow we get the you've heard of the bermuda high pressure system before? i have 
Well, that is actually still in existence. A lot of times it goes away in the wintertime or it gets very weak and displaced. Well, it's really continuing, and we are getting a lot of southerly flow. Like today, we have a lot of south winds, so our air is coming up more from the south than it is from Canada. So this is a pretty typical La Nina type of pattern. La Nina also brings a lot of storms in off the Pacific into the into the western United States. So I don't know if you've seen some of the videos that they're showing from, you know, the, the Sierra Mountains in California, but the snow is like, you know, 12 feet deep, and they're, they're just getting clobbered. But what that does is, is it floods the lower 48 with Pacific air. Pacific air is not as cold as Canadian air. So it's a it really is a typical La Nina pattern. So the west... And the northern plains have actually seen a pretty severe winter. And here, well, in the there was east, that time. It seemed for at least a couple of weeks, uh, most of California was being battered. They, yes. they had storms lining up. Yes, they did. You know, one after another after another, and it. it I felt badly, even though I'm nearly three thousand miles away, thinking, how are. These these folks throughout much of California going to deal with another two or four or six inches of rain because it kept coming. Yeah, yeah, and they had problems, but that rain was snow in the mountains. So you know, you think about six inches of rain times ten at sixty inches of snow. <laughs> but the interesting thing is, with all the precipitation they received during that period. They're still not out of their drought in much much of California. I yeah. mean, it's made a dent, oh, but it, it's it's still. I, I mean, they're certainly in better shape than they were a month or two ago. Right. But still, it, you know, it's it, they still are dealing with uh, a, a precipitation deficit over the long term. long term over yeah. the long yeah. term. And and again, when it comes and again, I'm not an expert on the Western drought, but I know that you know. It, their water supply, there's a lot of other issues going on with their water supply, a lot more people out there. and uh, But certainly this will help. It'll help a lot. Um, so, you know, it ha- and when they have a lot of precipitation in their mountains, we tend to have very mild winters. And, you know, this winter is turning out to be quite mild, but the last several winters really haven't been. I mean, they've been near normal or slightly below normal. Um, so they get mild weather out there. So it's, I think it's, it's called Mother Nature. It's their turn to have some of these storms. And then we get a reprieve from the, you know, the, the East Coast. There hasn't been really an East Coast snowstorm yet. That is, I mean, there, but are there pl- will be. You know, it's very possible. There will be. In March. Uh, you can't say it because you're the meteorologist in charge at the Binghamton well, office. Well, I, I can say it as a, as a radio show host <laughs> in downtown Binghamton. There will be. Well, what I could say is this, is that generally now as we get into March, what happens is there's more solar radiation that is incident upon the Arctic region, right? And that starts to break up all these cold air masses, and they start flowing. And every now and then, one will come down. And if it comes down at the right time... We get cold, and we can get a big storm out of it. So I've seen this happen in my lifetime where, you know, it looks like winter is over in February, and the next thing you know, we're dealing with two feet of snow or that one year in 2017 where we had exceptionally mild weather the end of February. 
Uh, and then we had the big three-foot snowstorm in the middle of March. So, again, I'm not predicting that, but March is a wild card. And I think that's a good – even what you said is we just don't know. So it's something that – you know, don't think that winter is over yet. In fact, we know just two years ago we had that – that big April snowstorm, the, the 16th, 17th of April. Sure. So yeah. we are vulnerable to winter storms, significant ones, probably until about the 20th, 25th of April. And we do get some snow in May once in a while, but it's usually not heavy enough to, at least around here, to cause any major issues. Just It's just depressing. <laughs> eh. What are you going to do? What do you? I mean, seriously, what are you going to do? And, and now, actually, it was... It was just last April. I mean, let's let's be crystal clear about what happened here last April, April 18th and 19th, right. with all that snow, several inches of heavy, wet snow. So we had about, I can't do the math, what was it, 10 months ago, we had a widespread power outage with people without power across right. much of this region, including Main Street and Binghamton, looking over at CVS. Uh, over at, at Maine and, and Helen. Right. No power. Right. For days. Yeah. For days. I mean, they had to bring in crews from outside New York State right. to restore power. Right. And I believe Jason Garner said that as far as he knew, at least in recent history, that was the most, the, the uh, longest and widest spread uh, power outage in Broome County that anybody could point to because it went on and on and on. Right. Heck, it was even so serious, Dave, that Governor Kathy Hochul called into the station. That's how bad it was. Wow. That's the only time I've ever spoken with her wow. on the program. Right. And you know it's pretty serious when she <laughs> says, you know, tells her advisors, yeah, I know it's Bob Joseph, but still, I want to call him because this is a serious situation in Binghamton. And it yeah, was. It was. It was, it was. And it's interesting because I think part of it and I don't know if, if folks are aware of, of the um, the tree situation in Broome County with all the ash trees that have been dying from the emerald ash borer. That there's a lot of the, and those trees, boy, they when they die, they they rot pretty quick. And there is, and again, we can't prove this, but there was that might have been a factor in like a lot of these trees were, you know, they're dead and they're ready to go, and then they get six eight inches of wet snow on them and then there's wind and then that was the end of that because we've seen a few events in december we saw one in december where we had heavy wet snow too and there wasn't that many power outages but the thing is what you point out about those dead trees there's still if you look around there are still thousands and thousands of dead trees around here the southern tier that haven't been taken down and that still poses an ongoing threat because of weather related issues even without uh, the intervention of of severe weather those trees eventually are going to start coming down and i know say when i uh, drive with a friend through parts of Vestal and the town of Binghamton, and he's always pointing out, look at this, look at this. What, why don't they do something in anticipation? But i got to tell you, it's such a monumental job, right. but you know you can see power outages coming. Maybe not as widespread or as severe as we saw here in mid-April, but still, these these are going to be issues with those dead trees until ultimately they're they're removed one way or the other. Yeah, and that's something that, yeah, it's it's almost, and a lot of those trees are on private property, so you can't just, you know, 
and again, it's it's a, and I'm not sure if that's. I mean, there's other factors too. I mean, I'm sure that's just one factor, but and again, this is a little off topic weather wise. But yeah, the one thing that concerns me is you you know you walk through some of the parks and you see these big dead trees over sure. here. Sure. <laughs> And and the problem is, is there's so many of them that oh, it's yeah. like they're they're working on it. I mean, Broome County Parks Department has worked on it. I know it, they have, and other local parks departments have. But it's still a, a but monumental job. Thousands of them. I mean, you can only do, you know, there's well, only sure. budgets are limited, and you know, it's and just, there's only so much time and yeah. equipment too. Yeah, we'll continue our weather conversation with Dave Nicosia in just a moment. It's Thursday morning. I'm Bob Joseph on News Radio WNBF and. WNBF.com. All aboard the weather train at 1042 at WNBF. Bob Joseph with Dave Nicosia from the National Weather Service. So looking ahead, and I know we've we've uh, considered uh, the fact that snow really shouldn't happen in binghamton after march but the truth is we have documentation that it sometimes happens uh, well into may and i know you looked up for me um snow that happened uh, in may of 1945 i'm i see a uh, picture here of uh, the newspaper from may 10th 1945 and somebody wrote on the top of their snow-covered car ah spring because uh, it says, May snow record chalked up in new freak weather chapter. That's when they could write uh, that kind of headline in the paper. They called it a freak weather chapter. And then also there was, you mentioned uh, significant snow, not lots and lots, in May of 1966, May 9th. And then there was also as recently as May 2020, a little bit right. over an inch of snow was recorded at Binghamton right. Airport. Right. Yeah, we we generally don't like to see that because we're just we've you know winters are long here, um, but yeah, it it can happen. But usually, fortunately, that time of year, it's short lived. I mean, it's usually you can count on. As long as we can get some sunshine, which sometimes is hard to do around here. What about June? Could we ever get measurable uh, snow? That's putting you on the spot. Boy, in the history of records in in Binghamton, has snow ever, observable snow, ever been recorded in Broome County I have, in June? Not measurable, but I have right. heard of snow flurries well, in June. I have heard, but I don't have a record of it. You know, uh, and you know what a snow flurry is? It doesn't accumulate, right. but you see some snow in the air, and it, and it would be quite startling. <laughs> you see that in June. Uh, that that's. Rare, um, extremely rare, but you know it's not completely unprecedented. I mean, I'm sh- it has happened in this area in the past, but it is not very common. I've never seen it, but I know I know of a few older time meteorologists that that I've worked with that said they did see. I think it was in 1996 or maybe it was 94. I can't remember what year they had some snow flurries. You know, and it, again, insignificant and accumulate, but just the idea of seeing the white stuff in June. So six days ago, I'm, you know, I'm I'm a big weather fan, as almost as much as as the people who work for the weather service. I'm fascinated by the weather. So um, 
on February 3rd, I'm, I'm looking through all the, um, the readings around the world, and then I come across Mount Washington Observatory. Ooh, yes. And these kids are claiming... And, you know, they have a website. I've been there, by the way. Have you? You've been there. I haven't been there. But Are you I, kidding? I, I know. You have a guy. I haven't. Have one of my <laughs> forecasters worked on Mount yeah. Washington. I told you about this last time. Yeah. Uh, he worked there for six years, I believe. And the pictures and the stories that he has is just phenomenal. I'll have to, I'll have to see if he'll come down. Yeah. I, I almost thought of that last week because I'm looking at the thing from – Actually, it was last Friday night at about 9.30, and according to their website, which, you know, it's not the official documented record, but at that point, it claimed the wind chill was minus 109, and they claimed the wind speed of 101, and the 10-minute gust was recorded at 111 miles an hour. That was just last Friday night, and I thought of that guy when I saw those statistics. Now, I think in the end, I think the official wind chill ultimately was uh, recorded to be minus 108, but that was right. said to be the uh, lowest wind chill ever, I think, officially recorded in the United States. Yes, it was, yeah. And in Mount Washington, it hit minus 47. With those type of winds, I mean, can you? I don't even... Ugh. You literally would... You would probably just die instantly, or at least freeze instantly yeah. with that type of winds. But yeah, they 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 tied their all time record low on Mount Washington. So I mean, you know, it's interesting. There is a lot of cold air that's around. It's just not coming our way. Now again, we'll never get, hopefully, never get anywhere near that. But what happens is the cold air comes south. It does modify. And again, Mount Washington is at sixty two hundred feet, and I think it's sixty two eighty eight. I think yeah. is the official. So they're so high up that it's very easy, you know, the cold, it's, it's colder as you go up. So, I mean, they're, it's prone to get that cold. But that type of air mass, you know, that came down. We got only a glancing blow from that. We didn't get the, we didn't get the core of that. And we, we got to 13 below at the airport. So, you know, the, if we were in the core of that, it might have got down to minus 18. And our record at the airport is minus 20. So we might have gotten close to that because it was that it was a record-breaking yeah. cold air mass. So even in these mild winters that we're seeing here in the east, there is a lot of cold air around. It's just not coming here. It's being directed other parts of the world. More with Dave Nicosia as we explore the weather on this Thursday morning on WNBF. That's coming right up, so stay tuned. Uncle- like a song for meteorologists and journalists only happy when it rains and only happy when the news is bad of course that's not true i don't know about that I like sunny days too yesterday was beautiful yesterday afternoon that would have oh been my goodness. oh that my gosh beautiful. people were calling in and people were saying hey bob i have a story idea because i always ask if people have story ideas or news tips and a friend said you know everybody is out walking in the park in kirkwood you should do that and and do a news story and unfortunately i already 
had stories that I was planning out, so I was unable to get out of here till 4.30 uh, in the afternoon. And it was still nice, but I, I'm kicking myself saying, you know, I should have done, because I, I should have pushed one of the other stories off, like, till today, then done, like, a weather story with people walking in the parks and having fun. And, yeah, I, I missed the opportunity. Yeah, that was beautiful. Oh. I actually... Took I uh, took an hour off in the afternoon and I got a little extra. Yeah, got a little walk in. It was beautiful. Just you need that when oh, you're, yeah. it's cloudy all the time. It's nice to get a day of sunshine. Sure. It's good right. for you. And that's one thing about the weather around here. We have four very well defined seasons. Uh, start and end dates of the well defined seasons may vary. And, <laughs> and I know occasionally, sometimes we we have summers where it doesn't seem like a lot of summer yeah. weather. But lately, I think our our summer weather actually has tended to be quite nice. And um, generally, even say in in winter, we usually have periods two or three day breaks, even if we're having a snowy or very cold winter, right. where there's time to get outside and. And enjoy the outdoors, even if you're not a fan of the cold. Yeah, that's true. I mean, last summer was one of the best I've seen in a long time. We were in a very mild drought. And anytime we're in a mild drought, it means the water supply is not negatively impacted. And that means it's not raining as much as it normally does. So we had a lot of sunshine and we had a, very, a lot of nice weather last summer. So I really enjoyed that. That was that was good. So, Here's a question from a listener. Gary wants me to ask you, when the National Weather Service determines the daily high and low temperatures, and, and this is an easy question uh, for me, so when are the uh, daily highs and lows determined? Is it for at the airport or an average for the general area? It's at the airport. We have an observing site with... Um you know, calibrated thermometer up. It's actually up on one of between the runways at the Greater Binghamton Airport, and that's where the the it's called the Automated Surface Observing Station, and it you know has very accurate temperatures. Our technicians are required to make sure it's within tolerance, so it's it's calibrated, and that station has been there since 1951. I mean, different equipment at times, but you know we got the latest equipment. And, you know, we just tally up the high for the day at midnight and the low for the day, you know, midnight to midnight. And that's that's how it goes. So you get the high and the low for each day. And we plot those out, and then we do the averages from there. But before 1951, records were kept here in downtown Binghamton. Yeah, they were. On Henry Street. They were. And the problem with that is we all know that there's a world of a difference between down here <laughs> and up at Mount Ettrick, way up at 1,600 feet. So we're, we're not able to what they – sometimes they'll thread the data together. They'll, they'll statistically match the data. But it is virtually impossible to do that with any sort of accuracy because of our change in elevation and um, – you know, just where we're at, we're eight. We're about eight, eight and a half miles north of here, and so we can't do that. And it's interesting. I don't know if I can go into this, but it, I was cleaning out some old files, you know, and I found a newspaper article from the early fifties, and they were complaining to the at the time it was called the U.S. Weather Bureau. They were complaining because they did not want the station to move up to the airport 
because it would make the weather seem like it was a lot worse in Binghamton than it well, really is. Well, the argument always was, well, nobody lives at the airport. I heard that so many times. And that, they like, were right, yeah. though, because yeah. if you look at the temperatures, Binghamton is one of the coldest cities in upstate. I know. But it's because we're at 1,600 yeah. feet. If you're down here taking records, it would be certainly a lot milder. Yeah. So, well, Hey, we're out of time. Oh, okay. Thank you, Dave Nicosia. All right. Next time, Thank you very much. Next time, Natalie Merchant will be here to serenade All right. Looking <laughs> Dave forward to Nicosia that. Dave <laughs> from the National Weather Thanks, Service, Bob. live on WNBF. Joseph, live on a Thursday morning on WNBF Binghamton and WNBF. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Good morning on this Thursday, February 9th. You're listening to WNBF. A blighted vacant parcel in the heart of downtown Binghamton could soon be brought back to life if a former mayor's plans become reality. A restaurant featuring a beer garden is planned for the site at 138-140 Washington Street. The spot has been empty for decades after a New Year's Eve fire tore through the popular Royal Lounge and a neighboring adult bookstore. No one was hurt in the blaze that erupted on December 31, 1999. Former Mayor Richard David is proposing opening a new business in what would be a prefabricated two-story structure with about 2,000 square feet of space. He has advised city officials he wants to start construction as quickly as possible. David acquired the Washington Street site for $50,000 in July 2009, a few years before he took office as mayor. David was joined by Christopher Kazmersik and Michaela Fargnoli, Tuesday at meetings of the Commission on Architecture and Urban Design and the City Planning Commission. Kazmersik and Fargnoli are expected to oversee day-to-day operations of the business. David said our timeline is pretty aggressive. He indicated he hoped the site work could begin within four to six weeks. He said the target date for opening is June. The former mayor said the business would be an open year-round operation, but he's looking forward to taking advantage of the warmer weather for outdoor seating. The first legal cannabis dispensary in the southern tier has no remaining obstacles to opening its doors in downtown Binghamton, New York this week. In a press release on Wednesday, City of Binghamton Mayor Jared Cram announced that what will be the first legal cannabis dispensary in New York outside of New York City has received local approval and can open downtown this week. The dispensary, operated by the owner of On Point Cannabis, Damian Cornwell, will be located at 75 Court Street, right in the heart of downtown Binghamton. In the press release, Cornwell stated with his local approval, Just Breathe is set to make history right here in Binghamton as the first licensed cannabis dispensary in all of upstate New York. We're excited for what this means for the community, downtown Binghamton's continued revitalization, and our local economy. Thanks to the New York State Office of Cannabis Management and the City of Binghamton for proactively laying the framework for this moment. A planning commission meeting was held in the Binghamton City Council Chambers, where the dispensary received its final approval to open. Mayor Cram stated Binghamton is leading the way on the illegal cannabis industry in New York State. By proactively updating local zoning laws and working with our New York State partners, the city has positioned itself to capitalize on the opportunity to attract good careers and new community investments while growing the industry in a responsible manner that benefits all residents. This new business is an exciting next step. In order to pave the way for opening the first cannabis dispensary in upstate New York, Binghamton began updating its zoning laws nearly a year ago to plan for future cannabis businesses. Workers are busy putting tons of steel in place for the $132 million addition to Wilson Medical Center in Johnson City. A 340-foot-tall crane is being used to lift the massive beams to assemble what will become a six-story clinical tower on the north side of the hospital. 
On Wednesday morning, several beams were hoisted simultaneously to the top of the rising structure. The giant crane is expected to remain at the construction site for another three months. The 183,000-square-foot addition will include a new emergency department and trauma center. There also will be 120 new private rooms, a recovery room, and a rooftop helipad. Sidewalks on the northeast end of Harrison Street and the northwest end of Baldwin Street near the construction site are closed. Pedestrians should use sidewalks on the opposite side of the street. State regulators approved the expansion project three years ago. A United Health Services spokesperson said a new two-bed trauma room opened on December 15th. A fully functional post-acute care unit is scheduled to become operational this Saturday. The new clinical tower is expected to be occupied by June 2024. Donald Trump's former lawyer, Michael Cohen, met yet again Wednesday with New York City prosecutors, who have spent years examining the former president's financial dealings. Cohen stopped briefly to talk with reporters as he entered the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. He said it was the 15th time he had met with prosecutors. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg recently convened a new grand jury to hear evidence related to payments Cohen helped arrange in 2016 to two women who claimed to have had sexual encounters with Trump. Trump has said he did nothing wrong and that the investigation is politically motivated. The officer who pulled Tyree Nichols from his car before police fatally beat him never explained why he was being stopped, newly released documents show. Emerging reports from Memphis residents suggest that was commonplace. The Tennessee Peace Officers Standards and Training Commission released documents Tuesday blasting the conduct of Demetrius Haley and four other officers as blatantly unprofessional. They include revelations that Haley took photographs of Nichols as he lay propped against a police car. Haley then sent the photos to other officers and a female acquaintance. The Memphis Police Department wrote in requesting that the five officers be stripped of the ability to work as police. With an eye toward the 2024 campaign, President Joe Biden is venturing to Florida. It's a state defined by its growing retiree population and status as the unofficial headquarters of the modern-day Republican Party. The president sees a chance to use Social Security and Medicare to drive a wedge between GOP lawmakers and their base of old voters who rely on these government programs for income and health insurance. Biden is trying to lay the groundwork for an expected re-election campaign announcement this spring. Leading Republican lawmakers insist that spending cuts to Social Security and Medicare are off the table, but enough prominent Republicans have broached the subject that Biden sees a political opportunity. And an owl who escaped from the Central Park Zoo after someone damaged his cage has become New York City's latest avian celebrity. The owl has been attracting gawkers as he surveys the park from one tall tree or another, but he has been stoking fears that he can't hunt and will starve. Zoo officials say the Eurasian eagle owl named Falco escaped on February 2nd. Since then, he has been spotted at various locations in the southeast section of the park. Zoo officials said last week that they were seeking to recapture Falco, but they have not issued any updates on their efforts since then. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, rain or freezing rain likely before 9 a.m., then rain. A high near 46 degrees, an 80% chance of rain. Tonight, chance of showers between 8 p.m. and 3 a.m. Mostly cloudy with a low near 41 degrees. Wind gusts as high as 28 miles per hour, a 40% chance of rain. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a high near 42. Tomorrow night, cloudy, a low near 25. Saturday, partly sunny with a high near 34. Saturday night, partly cloudy, a low near 24. And Sunday, mostly sunny with a high near 44. Sunday night, partly cloudy, a low near 26 degrees. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first, news radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. Joseph live on a Thursday morning. This is 
WNBF and WNBF.com. When you're alone and life is making you lonely, you can always go downtown. When you've got worries, all the noise and the hurry seems to help, I know. Downtown, just listen to the music of the traffic in the city. Linger on the sidewalk where the neon signs are pretty. How can you lose the light so much brighter there? You can't forget all your troubles, forget all your cares. Everything's waiting for you in downtown Binghamton. It truly is a miracle. An American miracle on Court Street. Bob Joseph, proud to be part of it, taking calls now at 607-772-1290. Hey, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Uh, it's Eldon. I'm calling from uh, Woodburn Court 1. <coughs> and, Hi. Uh, yeah, I'm an acquaintance gave me the number and said that uh, she thinks I should report my situation on this number. Um, you have a situation to report? Yeah. Well, yeah. it probably is not something that should be live on the radio, though, right? I don't know. I don't know if they can do anything anyway. Well, my guess is, my guess is you probably should call me um, later or... Or maybe, uh, why don't you send me an email? Um, it has to do with the Social Security stuff was all that. No, well, I can't help you. Yeah, I know. What, okay. I mean, what, well, Social Security. I mean, do you want to know if Social Security is safe for the next 10 years? Is that, that it? Well, no. Um, they, I've, then my lease, they told me because I'm getting an increase in Social Security, they're going to raise my rent by $47 a month. Yeah, no, that, that's... We're um, the news radio. We we can't do anything about that. Okay, you I'm just sorry. Call this number. I didn't know what. Yeah, no, that's okay. that's. You know, I take calls from everyone, but I unfortunately I'm unable to help you. But I wish you the best. All right, thank you. It's eleven fourteen. Bob Joseph, WNBF. Yes, we do take all calls because we're the only place in Binghamton that apparently takes all calls quickly too. I might add. And efficiently. Hi, WNBF. Good morning. You're on the air, and uh, I have two questions. One, what's your first name? And two, where are you calling from? John, uh, town of Maine. Good morning, John. What's on your mind? Well, I, I heard that you had the weatherman on there, and uh, that the lowest temperature they recorded was minus 20. Um. I wondered when they started recording those uh, temperatures, because back in the 70s, I was doing oil burner service work, and two of us had to go out because it was minus 50 below zero, and fuel oil freezes at minus 20. And it was a crystal clear night. I remember that, like 74, possibly. And every place that we stopped, somebody had a you know thermometer, and they were it was minus 50. And where? What uh, town? What town was it well, minus 50? Well, it, it uh, moved out from deposit to Windsor. We were doing furnace calls in Windsor. Well, the, the, the records 
Since 1951, the records for Binghamton, New York, are kept up at the airport at high atop Mount Ettrick. That's the official temperature. Okay. So it's always possible, it's always possible, depending on where you go, outlying areas, that you will encounter temperatures that are even colder than the official reading at the National Weather Service office. But uh, for decades, as as Dave Nicosia said, since 1951, the official records have been kept at the airport. Prior to that, Binghamton's records were recorded at a little office a couple blocks from where I'm standing, over on Henry Street. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was uh, our youngest son, uh, who's now in his 40s, called it uh, booger freezing weather. <laughs> That's that's one thing to call it. I I could call it other things, but I still like my job, so I'll uh, I'll refrain yeah. from using the most colorful descriptions I can conjure up. And the only thing I miss about that job is the people, but not the cold. You know what? You know what I don't like about the cold. Well, let's see. The program only runs another forty four minutes, so I can't. I can't give you all the details. One thing that I really don't like when it gets really cold is, as you alluded to, uh, at a certain point, fuel will freeze. Like, say, at our transmitter, we have a diesel-powered generator. So, say, if the power goes Mm -hmm. off, if NYSEG runs out of electricity and then we have to fire up the, the generator, sometimes the diesel turns into some sort of goopiness, So, and, and that doesn't help you. Yeah, the, the technical uh, thing about fuel oil, it's number two oil, which is the same as heating oil, which is the same as diesel, um, except for the coloration into it. And I can't tell you which one is uh, red and which one's yellow. But uh, if you get caught with the wrong one on the road, it's tens of thousands of dollars of fines. But anyway, at diesel, number two oil contains paraffin wax. And at minus 20 below zero, it turns to a solid, and the pumps can't pump a solid. So we were we were having to take and set up some kind of heat to heat the tanks up, plus adding kerosene to it. So if they if they got a tank up there with uh, this outside, I'm assuming they probably should add some kerosene to it. About a 25 percent mix, right? Or not. Hmm. Keep it why, did, why do they put paraffin in it? It's foreign oil. It comes with paraffin. Really? It's part of the part of the fuel oil. Hmm. This domestic um, oil does not have paraffin in it. Oh, and, uh, like interesting. Oil. oil compared to Quaker State. Quaker State contains a lot of paraffin because it's foreign oil, and Pennzoil doesn't because it's uh, domestic oil. Oh, thank you for the info. I I didn't know that. Well, John, thanks for for uh, enlightening me about an aspect of um, fuel that uh, is yeah. is new to me. And and yeah, gee, I I hope I never have to encounter temperatures that are around minus fifty. That that doesn't sound like much fun. No, it's not. Hmm. Um, and again. <laughs> The thing is that when you're doing furnace calls, you get just get the house warmed up, and you're already gone. You know, you're in a cold van headed out to, uh, you know, the next call. Sure. And, uh, and I imagine warm. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, anyway, I appreciate people that are willing to do the work in in bad so conditions. Yeah. Thank you, John. Hey, take care. Be well and be safe. 
Thank you. 1119, Bob Joseph with you on News Radio WNBF. If you have a few thoughts, we have a few phone lines at 607 772 1290. This is WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and always available on the free WNBF app. WNBF 1122, Bob Joseph live, taking more calls more often. Matt in Binghamton, good morning, you're on the air. Hi, Bob, how are you today? Good, how's it going? Pretty good. I just, um, usually you don't let things like this slip by, but when uh, John from Binghamton called today, uh, he called the group that the, they went to the um, meetings, the uh, school board meetings, thugs. And uh, a thug is a violent, aggressive person, especially one who is a criminal. Uh, they have, I haven't heard of any acts of violence. Um, there's some pretty passionate opinions, and maybe sometimes uh, there's certain people that I even, I don't like some of the ways they phrase things, but they're certainly not thugs. And so uh, I wish that people would stop calling people who are actually participating in the in the democratic process, going to forums where they're allowed to speak, whether you like it or not, and uh, having their opinions expressed. And uh, those aren't thugs. Those are citizens. That's all I have to say today. Thank you. 1123 at WNBF. Carol in Colesville, you're on the air. Um, hi. I just wanted um, to answer the man who called up and said his... Um, Rent was going up because of Social Security. Um, he got more or whatever. Um, I have a friend who's moving because the same thing happened to her. All right. So probably thousands of people are going to move. Um, I guess. I just wanted him, if he's listening, to know that it's happening to other people, too. Yeah, I'm not surprised. But as I told him, I think he wanted, I think he called me to uh, see if I could do something about it. And I'll be darned if I know what to do. I, I'm trying to figure out who who told him to call me. And, I mean, I, I don't have any money to, to pay his rent. Well, I guess there's nothing that you can do. She couldn't do nothing about it. So that's how it goes. But, yeah. Yeah, it's sad. But anyway, appreciate the uh, information. Okay, thank you. 1124 at WNBF. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Uh, John, first time ever I called twice. Yeah, well, there's first time for everything. So what do you say in response to what Matt from Binghamton just said? I have YouTube video. It's on YouTube. I personally was kicked in the face protecting myself with only my iPad by one of the ringleaders of this organization. It's a police incident report on it. And uh, the other one, one of the other ones that was arrested, him and his girlfriend were swarming me. I've got video of that. Drove me right off the street, uh, and uh, the whole block was theirs. So these are thugs. I have been uh, involved 
they have attacked me, and that's all I've got to say. All right, thank you. It's 1125 at WNBF and WNBF.com. What are your thoughts? 607-772-1290. By the way, WNBF.com has some interesting video, actually a couple of video clips, and some pictures with the ongoing work at Wilson Medical Center. And I just thought it was fascinating. I thought it was fascinating because they're continuing to do the um, construction for a $132 million addition at Wilson Medical Center in Johnson City. So they put this 340-foot-tall crane together. And I remember several weeks ago, one time I was coming in early for some reason. It was still dark. And I remember driving by there, and I'm looking over at the uh, parking lot at the church across the street from the hospital. I'm saying, gee, that looks like a crane on its side. And it turns out it was. It was a crane on its side because they had yet to put it together. So I thought that was great fun to see the crane (laughs) lying on the side there in, in the parking lot. And before you know it, Uh, Some guys actually put the crane together, and now they've been using the crane to lift tons of steel up to the uh, proper position for the new clinical tower at Wilson Medical Center. So if you want to see some of the stuff that's going on, you can take a look at our website, WNBF.com. It actually shows you how the construction crews are assembling the pieces for that new part of the hospital. It's a good thing they were doing it yesterday instead of this morning because if they were up there this morning they might have fallen off the steel because of the freezing rain i noticed when i drove by there this morning around eight thirty or eight forty-five, i didn't see anybody doing anything up there with the steel because I, I don't think it would have been safe to do it today but it was safe to do it yesterday so we managed to uh, capture some of the images and these people are construction workers who have many years of experience you know the one guy is standing up there on a steel beam probably 75 feet in the air i'm thinking if i did that i would fall off but he and his uh, colleagues had no problem they were just working and as the the crane they loaded up four steel beams on the crane and lifted them up at the same time. I thought, well, that's interesting. I never saw that before. And so the guys uh, take one of the beams and they snap it into place. I don't think that's the technical term. Anyway, they put it into place and I just found the whole thing intriguing, so I took some pictures and video. And if that's something that might interest you, take a look on our website. Let's um, Wait a second. Hold on. So this is, I'm just, I know this is radio, so it doesn't really help you much. Unless unless you're subscribing to WNBF+. Plus. But it's interesting. So they've got these four big pieces of steel. And they're lowering them to a couple guys. And it's like, okay, guys, now put them into the right slot. So put that into slot A. And so the one guy grabs a hold of it. 
And then he's got, looks like he's talking to the guy in the crane using some sort of radio. All right. Lower it a little bit. A little bit over that way. Oh, a little bit over this way. So anyway, yeah, check that out. I just, I don't know why it was so intriguing, but just watching how they assemble part of a new hospital section. So that's over on WNBF.com. Again, I know what you're saying, gee, Bob, you're easily amused, to which I say perhaps, but it's still informative. It's 1130, Bob Joseph live at WNBF and WNBF.com. Bad Boy, Bob Joseph, on the air live on WBAD. No, WNBF, isn't it? Carolyn Johnson City, you're on the air. Oh, good morning, up. Uh- uh, this isn't why I called, of course, but uh, what you just said, WBAD. Uh, sometimes I refer to myself as WOLD. <laughs> I was like a Charlie, uh, not Charlie, Harry Chapin song. Yeah. Well, I, I called to talk about Mount Washington, but uh, this conversation about paraffin and diesel fuel, I did not know that. All, all I know is that uh, back in the late 60s and uh early 70s when the triple cities uh, ski club you know when uh, they had trips to vermont the bus driver always left the engine running all night and being the conservative that i am i i was always having a a bird because you know they're wasting gasoline but i had no idea i think then someone told me that if it gets too cold it won't start but they didn't tell me why uh, and i never knew that about the paraffin isn't that interesting so I was trying to call you when uh, Dave Nicosia was on, but, of course, you weren't taking any calls. But uh, I have been to Mount Washington back, oh, Memorial Day weekend, back when we had, like, three days off or whatever it was at the time. And uh, a friend of mine uh, and myself drove up to uh, in the New Hampshire area. We were around uh, Loon Mountain, the ski area. This is Memorial Day now. So we were headed in the direction of Mount Washington. And we see these people walking with skis over their shoulder. And uh, I, it would be nice if you, you know I don't have the Internet, uh, but it would be nice if you could look up and see what it says about Pinkham Notch. That's P-I-N-K, I think it's H-A-M, Notch, which is an area that people walk up the hill. Uh, this is Memorial Day. <laughs> they walk up the hill and ski down because that, 
area is notoriously, uh, you know, retains the snow. What do they say the elevation was, 6,700 something? Right, but that Pinkham Notch is only 2,000 feet. So it's oh, only, it's not nearly as high as the top of Mount Washington. Right. But there's still snow there. Oh, there is, of course, yeah. That, that's all I. That's all I wanted to say. Oh, okay. Just, uh, it, because the Triple City Ski Club used to have, uh, I don't know whatever became of it, uh, you know, because of the vi- uh, the virus and everything. But uh, they had uh, they would have a lot of trips, and uh, so I'm sorry, I said the wrong thing. They would have films. They would have a film like around Thanksgiving, you know, the, which would be the the start of skiing season. And I can't think, this guy was a notoriously good skier, and uh, he would do, uh, you know, go up to, you know, places that were not inaccessible, but, you know, some really daring skiing. I wish I could think of that fellow's name. I like the guy. He was on ABC Wide World of Sports. I I always thought every every Saturday when they showed him skiing, and oh, uh, that. that guy, <laughs> what was his deal? Uh, who the heck knows? I don't know, but it didn't look like it was a lot of fun. But I figured since they they ran it thousands of times, he probably made a lot of money off the royalties from ABC Sports. Well, you're so adept at finding out articles in the newspaper from the 50s. (laughs) Maybe you can... um, Oh, I'm sure I could look it up. They did did say it at one time. I think I do remember one of the sports fellows making a comment about it. I don't even know if it was an Olympic thing or... It was just some sort of championship. No, they thought, oh, his name is Vinko Bukatash. He was a Slovenian what? painter and former ski jumper. Says footage of him crashing featured on ABC's Wide World of Sports represented the agony of defeat. So, again, Vinko Bukatash uh, from Slovenia. Yeah, I was going to ask you, how was that spelled? <laughs> the last name, the last name. Uh, B-O-G... A T A J. His first name is Vinko. Bukatai. Okay, well, whatever. Did you say B O G O? No. B I N G O. B I N G O. Vinko. Bingo was his name. Oh. Says he competed in a ski flying event in West Germany on March 7th, 1970. And. Anyway, it gives the whole story. Oh, he did suffer a mild concussion and a broken ankle. A film crew from ABC was recording the event in which he crashed, and so um, the ABC Sports used that as part of the opening montage with the legendary Jim McKay. And they said uh, they inserted that with the words, the agony of defeat. And that certainly looked agonizing. That, that, thank you for looking that up. Yeah. That was very, that was very quick. <laughs> yeah, it was. Well, thanks to the what, what internet. Were the key, what were the key words that you used? I know you said you have a particular software that you can find old, uh, you know, the local newspaper old. No, that, I just punched in Google. I punched in Google and put uh, ABC Sports and Agony of Defeat Skier, or maybe ABC Sports and uh, just Skier, and his name popped up. That's how. That's how it works. Amazing. Yeah, well, I'd like to get him on the line. It, 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 I don't know. It says uh, he re- resides still in his hometown of Lessie, Slovenia. He's married and has two daughters. I'd love to get the kid on on the line to ask him how much money he made. Because obviously ABC 
The royalties. Yeah. Yeah, he probably <laughs> got paid tens of thousands of dollars by ABC Sports. So What was the name? I'm sorry, because of the telephone. How did that town get spelled? What was the spelling, I mean? The town is called L-E-S-C-E. L-E-S-C-E in Slovenia. Oh. Interesting. Very short. Wow. In the 1990s, while on his way to an interview with Wide World of Sports, he got into a car crash. He said, he said his first line to the reporter was, every time I'm, I'm on ABC, I crash. <laughs> so he still, has, he still managed to maintain um, a sense of humor. Oh, listen to this. Muhammad Ali was at a, at a banquet. They had a, a celebration, 20th anniversary celebration for Wide World of Sports. Of everybody at the special dinner to celebrate 20 years of Wide World of Sports, he received the loudest ovation, and Muhammad Ali asked him for his autograph. I'll be darned. See? Oh, did it indicate how old that fella is? Like, it doesn't say. Like, how old say. would he be now? It doesn't give his uh, year of birth, but it said the the ski jump where he had the um, when he had trouble was in March 1970. So I'm guessing maybe he was we'll in say about 20s. 20. We'll say yeah. about 20 because that's I think sort of an optimal age for ski competition. So I would say now he's probably maybe about 75 ish. Was well, a guess. So he wasn't slalom racing. He was. Jumping. That's what that it claims. That's what it claims. So I'll be darned. It was, Every on, time his, I saw uh, that it was on the Heine Klopfer Hill, of all things. So let that be a lesson to you. If you're going to be doing a ski jump on the Heine Klopfer Hill in West Germany, just make sure there are no people shooting video for ABC Sports. It's 1142. Bob Joseph with the information you need. On WNBF. Eleven forty-five. Bob Joseph live. WNBF. Scott and Binghamton. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. I had a, a couple points or questions about the New York State DOT. It seems like. It's not even recent, probably in the last few years. It seems like um, they use our taxes for all these uh, projects, but they don't really talk to the New York State residents to see what they want. You got, like, the bridge over by Atenango being taken down because there isn't a lot of use, but they're building a walkway project on a highway in Vestal where there's a walkway probably 50 feet up the you know on pennsylvania Ave, so or vessel old vessel or whatever it is i i just don't understand the reasoning and then you have the bridge that supposedly you know they 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 made a special bridge on shenangle street that was going to save money in the long run it's costing twice as much and they're saying it's dipping at a alarming rate but you don't feel a dip when you're on 81 going over it um it seems like the same thing happened probably 20 years ago when they replaced the bridge by Vestal or by Frito-Lay. Um, when it was almost completed, they realized they built it too low, so they had to spend more money to lift it up. Um, 
and then these circles, they're doing the circles where the JC circle failed many, many years ago. Now, all of a sudden, our money that they take from us, we can't even choose what we want, but you can have a, a circle, but you can only use the money for that. You can't use it for anything else. And uh, now they put it by BCC, and uh, that seems like a pretty treacherous area. Um, I, I just don't understand why they're doing all these things with the taxpayer money, but they're not using the taxpayer's um, voice. Just like every other state agency. Yeah, I think we have to take our, our, our voice back, but how do you do it? You vote people in that tell you what you want to hear, but once they're in, <laughs> forget about it. No, they'll they'll continue to do what they want with uh, our money, and you're going to like it. There you go. Sorry, for yeah, my call. yeah. At least I'm honest. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Exactly. Yeah, I. No, I concur. Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice if they followed the will of the people who are paying for all these fine projects? Vinny and Binghamton, you're on the air. Yes, good morning, Bob. Hey, listen, I, I just want to make a comment on uh, John from Binghamton and Matt Ryan um, when they called in talking about um, teachers and um, the radicals and all that other kind of stuff. You know, I, my, only, my only thing is I just think one of the problems in our society is when you talk about school, now we're talking about the beginning. And why I mean by that is all the ill wills that we talk about the cops have to deal with and everything like that, this didn't happen overnight. This started a long time ago. And I think one of the things in our society, especially when you talk about young people in schools, this is the future of our country. We're going to be nothing but dust in the ground someday. But this is the future of our country. And I believe that the way to do it is more parents' involvement. Once that child is born, that is your responsibility. And we do not talk enough about it. We don't. You've got to back some of these teachers. And I'm talking about, I worked with some of these teachers in these schools. You should see what comes into these nurses' offices and all these schools in this area. You should see what they have to deal with. I was told that the year after I graduated, Two years after I graduated, my school system changed. The baggage that these kids brought to these schools that these teachers had to deal with was out of sight. That was back in 1983. Back in 40-some years ago. And it's gotten worse and worse and worse. Where's the backing for these teachers? Because these teachers are scared. Let's make no doubt about it. They're scared. They're scared of losing their job and the school getting um, um, uh, um, uh, find and, and, and lawsuits and let's get rid of this superintendent and let's get rid of this teacher. This is nonsense. There's a lot of this stuff is our own fault. A lot of this stuff is our population. A lot of this stuff is us. It's the parents. Where are you? You drop your kids off in September. I don't see you until June. I'm just speaking about some of these teachers. You, you had a teacher on here, Bob, a couple months ago. She was talking about you should see the absenteeism. And these kids coming to school. I know it's bad. It's it. it's terrible, and uh, it's it's an ongoing challenge. I, I appreciate your call. Yep. Eleven fifty. Bob Joseph live at WNBF. James and Binghamton. Good morning. 
James in Binghamton. <laughs> we have a dropped call there, which over the course of a nearly three-hour program, we're actually doing fairly well today. Um, mysteriously, must be something wrong with the phone lines because usually, given the given the state of fine phone service in America, we usually get more than one dropped call per program. So, must be something's wrong with the lines. I'm sure. The phone company will work to fix that so we can have more dropped calls tomorrow and get back to normal. Hi, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Yeah, good morning, Bob. Uh, Dave from Vestal. What's up? Hey, hey. you know, I listened to your cousin Vinny a couple of days ago, and I just heard him now. And, you know, he got me thinking a couple of days ago. As you know, he and I are on, we're on opposite sides of the fence when it comes to politics, but we are in agreement. Uh, law enforcement, schooling, you know, lack of parenting, staying involved. And after further thought, Bob, nationally, a majority of both right and left are in agreement on these issues. The left is pushing things in public schools. Parents are upset. The left also perpetuates racial division, and not only in our schools, just about everywhere. They also vilify law enforcement. Again, both sides believe the majority of police are not villains and are a necessity. So lastly, Bob, both sides believe in border security. They disapprove of invasion. So, Bob, let's assume elections are on the up and up and they are you know not stolen there's no cheating i know big assumption but the sixty four thousand dollar question given all these important things we agree on how does the left keep winning elections could someone please explain that to because they're more popular their positions are more popular with new yorkers and generally with the american people wnbf good morning you're on the air what's your first name where are you calling from I am the guy whose call dropped just a little while oh, hi, ago. Hi, James. I, I'm still James from Binghamton, and I was going to just kind of help you close out your show. with. The, you mentioned bingo, and it brought a joke to mind. Um, how do you clear out a bingo hall in Tehran, Iran? I'm afraid to ask. Is this even remotely arable? Oh, oh, that's harsh, James. Come on, man. I mean, what if people are listening, you know, what what about our Tehran affiliate? They're going to have to apologize to their local <laughs> listeners. They're going to say, well, obviously James didn't mean anything by it. Don't take it personally. Come on, man. Our sister city in Tehran. You know, come on. Hands across the world. You know, what What am I going to tell them when I make my trip to Tehran in June that, oh, yeah, on February 9th, that, that last call was just an aberration, and that's not how we in Binghamton really feel about Iranians. You'll have to explain to the mullahs that it was just a joke. Yeah, well, that's not, that's not a nice joke. I thought that was, I thought it was mean-spirited. That's mean-spirited, and... You know, our program is not a place for the mean-spirited jokes. Our program is a place for the humorous jokes that you might hear on late night. Oh, no, sorry. I'm kidding. Who am I kidding? People on late night. The humor on late night isn't nice, if you've noticed. If you've noticed, it... is not nice.
And... We, we do have some new information coming in now. There is information coming in right now here at WNBF. Bert Bacharach has died. And I'm looking at the uh, story just posted on the New York Times website. Bert Bacharach whose buoyant pop confections lifted the 60s, has died. He was 94. He died Wednesday at his home in Los Angeles, according to the New York Times. His publicist, Tina Brousman, confirmed his death. So it's our sad responsibility to report the death of Bert Bacharach, described as the debonair pop composer, arranger, conductor, record producer, and occasional single. A singer who had plenty of songs, hits in the 60s. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to WNBF. WNBF, Binghamton. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. I'm Bob Joseph. Have a good afternoon. Needs now is love.